expose on efficiency is back. Uh, I don't know if you're excited about that. <laughs> I know I am. Glory be to God. Father, we give you praise. I ask, sweet spirit, that you speak to us, that you speak through me, that you uncover your word and reveal your heart and your mind to us this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hello, everyone. Hello, 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 hello. Exposition Efficient is back. So, we've done chapter one, we've done chapter two. Go back to the podcast, go back to YouTube. I don't think we have a lot of the of the message on efficiency on YouTube, but I think we have most of them on the podcast. Either the church's podcast or my podcast and catch up on chapter one and chapter two. So chapter one, verse one says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Hallelujah. So that is verse 1 and verse 2. And there's some things I want to point out there. Number one, Paul wrote this book of Ephesians from the prison. He was he was a prisoner, in quote, of Caesar in Rome. And that was when he penned down this letter to the Ephesians church. Though some theologians have been saying, say that the letter was not just specifically to the church located at Ephesus, it was a letter that he wrote to the entire body of Christ. And I tend to agree with that because it's not just for a particular church because what Paul downloaded in Ephesians, oh my God, is for the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing, this book of Ephesians. I'm in love with the book of Ephesians. So number one, he was a prisoner. Then there's something else I want you to note there, another word. The word is off. You know, when we read this place or whenever we read that Paul writes that he was in prison or he was a prisoner, we just assume that what he means is that he was is in prison for the gospel. In other words, he's in, he's in prison for Jesus Christ. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says, a prisoner of, not a prisoner for. You know, there's a huge difference between being a prisoner of something or of someone and being a prisoner for someone. So we just assume that he's in prison because of he's preaching the gospel. He's in prison because he's preaching Christ. But that's not what Paul meant here. Paul is saying that that it, it appears that what he's saying is that it is Jesus Christ that imprisoned me. Take what you want or what you might from, from this verse. Yes, I would say he was a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Why did he end up in prison? Because of the gospel. In fact, he was arrested in Jerusalem and he was kept there. It was when his life was under um, threat in Jerusalem that he was transferred to Caesarea. Then at Caesarea, he was able to preach to Felix, preach to Festus, and consequently, consequently, he preached to King Agrippa. Then when 
they tried their best to send him back to Jerusalem because the Jews and the leaders of the Jews were asking for him to come back. Paul now say, said to them that he, Paul now made an appeal to Caesar. That was why he was transferred to Rome. And it was in Rome that he wrote this letter. So in other words, you could say he was in prison for Jesus Christ. I don't dispute that. But I just wanted to draw your attention to exactly what he said. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And maybe one of the many reasons he was imprisoned was for him to write down some of these mysteries that were shown him so that today we can read it, understand it, and catch a glimpse of who we truly are in Christ Jesus so that we might run with it. So if he says that he was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to see it from that perspective that God arrested him so he can have time or he could have time to write down some of these things. So number one, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Why was he arrested and imprisoned by the Lord so that he could write down some of these revelations and send it to us Gentiles? He says, of Jesus Christ for you, the Gentiles. Hallelujah. So this letter is written to us. It said, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. The word dispensation there means stewardship. God entrusted Paul with this message. God entrusted Paul with this revelation. The word there is stewardship. So he was a steward of this grace. This grace of God that was given to him. And this grace of God that was given to him was given to him because of us, the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? God needed to reach the Gentiles and he had a man for the job. And that man was Paul. Now see verse 3 and verse 4. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery the mystery as I have briefly written already he has revealed some of those mysteries to us. That's what we, we, we have handled in chapter 1 and chapter 2. He now said by which when you read so are you seeing that one of the reasons he was arrested by God and was a prisoner of Christ is that so that he can write this mystery to us the Gentiles so that we can read. So that, so that when we read, we may understand. Say, so you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I think that is so amazing. So you might ask yourself, what is this mystery that Paul is talking about? What is this mystery? Mystery, as a word, means something that is hidden or something that is an enigma. Or something that is um, covered, if you know what I mean. You know, but he's telling us that this thing that has been uncovered, this thing that has been hidden, has been made known, has been opened, 
has been revealed to him. And this mystery, like we've read already, concerns us, the Gentiles. So he said this mystery, which was previously hid, has now been made clear. And he's asking us that when we read this letter that he has written, we might have the same understanding that he has. Say that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Why don't you take a second here and pause and pray from our hearts and say, Lord, grant us knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might see, not only see, that we might know what this mystery of Christ is. How, in the same way, you revealed it to Paul. Father, reveal it to me. I hope you are repeating after me. This night and subsequently, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that word mystery, like I said, is something that has been covered, something that has been hidden, you know, but it's going to let us know very soon what this mystery is. But if you look at that verse, those verses, verse 3 and verse 4, you can see that he spoke about uh, two mysteries. Number one, he said, now that by revelation, he, talking about God, made known to me the mystery. So that first part of that mystery is the mystery of God. Then he went further to say that you may understand after you've read the mystery of Christ. So there's a mystery of God and there is a mystery of Christ. And I'm going to tell you what those two mysteries are. So what is the mystery of God? The mystery of God that was made known to Paul and the other apostles is number one. Hope you're taking down your taking notes or making notes. Sorry, I'm very fast. Number one, the mystery of God, number one, is that Jews and Gentiles are now part of the commonwealth of God. Paul just described it perfectly when he said that God has destroyed or has broken down the middle wall of partition. That wall that divided the Jews from the rest of the world when Jesus died, the same way that the curtain was torn in the temple, that is the same way this middle wall of partition that separated Jews from the Gentiles has been destroyed. So the mystery of God is bringing humanity, mankind together to the knowledge of God, together as the body of Christ, together as the church. Together as the church. So it, 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 it talks about the unity of the Jews and Gentiles. It talks about the Jews and Gentiles being members of the body of Christ. This mystery of God talks about us being joint heirs with Christ. I'm going to repeat that again. Make sure you're, you're taking notes. Just don't listen. We're having a study today. It's the mystery of God is the coming together of Jews and Gentiles. So that segregation 
between or amongst the Jews and the Gentiles had been destroyed. And that was a mystery that was hidden all through the Old Testament. It was never revealed till the New Testament. Two, we are now members together with the Jews, the Jews that believe in Jesus Christ. We are now together members of the body of Christ. Three, we are now joint heirs, meaning we are co-inheritors. What the Jews enjoy, what they they have as the blessing promised to the father Abraham has now been extended to us. Why? Christ has destroyed, cancelled, broken the curse of the law so that he became a curse for us so that the blessings of Abraham might come unto us, the Gentiles. So all these are the mysteries of God. So finally, I've given you three. The fourth one under the mystery of God is that the promises, the privileges that accrued through Abraham to the Jews have now come to us. So that the blessings of Abraham has now come to us, the Gentiles. So what is the mystery of Christ? In a capsule, the mystery of Christ is the church. Hallelujah. I have mentioned this severally in my preaching. You know, Paul captured it in Colossians chapter 1. I think when you read verse, um, verse 26, he said the mystery which was hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. And what is this mystery? He said, to them, God willing to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the mystery of Christ is the church. But the mystery of Christ is, is in two forms. The first part is Christ, God, divinity, coming here as humanity. Divinity taking up human flesh and existing amongst men. Secondly, the mystery of Christ is the church. It is Christ himself living in individuals, both Jews and Gentiles, living in us. Christ in us. So that's the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5. That the Gentiles, so you're using the mystery of God now, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. So we are joint heirs, we are of the same body, and partakers of the promise or in Christ through the gospel. So you are seeing what the mystery of God is there. We are joint heirs with, 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 the, with the Jews. We are of the same body with the Jews. And we are partakers of the promise. There's Abraham promise in Christ through the gospel. He now said, of which I have become a minister. He kept on emphasizing, not just only in this chapter or in this book, throughout the epistles, he kept on emphasizing that he was the one that was committed with this grace, with this gospel, 
He was the one committed to preach it to the Gentiles. Say, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So that is the grace of God. The gift of the grace of God was given to him. That grace of God is this gospel which in it includes salvation, includes the cross, the blood and all those things. But beyond the cross is the realization of who we are in Christ Jesus. This gospel, we call it new creation realities, was given to Paul as well as the apostles and the prophets, like he said in, in chapter five, in verse 5. He said, it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So they can communicate it. How do apostles communicate it? By teaching. How do prophets communicate it? By teaching. One of the, one of the ministries of the prophet is to tell forth. That is why people called into the teaching ministry usually function with the prophetic ministry. With the prophetic ministry. So the Holy Spirit has committed this to them. 